Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, this is Connie Stevens. You're listening to TV Confidential. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere. Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue. Ed Robertson, author, guest Steve Bender, Emmy Award-winning producer and director of such iconic variety specials as Lucy in London, The Tammy Show, and the 1968 Elvis comeback special. Steve is also the co-author, along with Mary Beth Leadman, of Fade Up 26, the movers and shakers of variety television, an oral history of variety television as told by 26 award-winning variety show producers and directors. Fade Up 26, the movers and shakers of variety television, is available both in hardcover and as an ebook through Kendall Hunt Publishing. You can find Fade Up 26 at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold online. This particular conversation with Steve Bender originally aired in March 2017. August 16, 2022 marks the 45th anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley. As we pick up the conversation, we asked Steve how he first became involved with the 68 Comeback Special. Well, it's a long story, and I'll try and make it as short as I can. No, 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 no. You, 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 there, there are no restrictions. You, 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 you tell it. You tell it the way you want to tell it. <laughs> I just uh, completed doing a, uh, a television special for NBC uh, with Petula Clark and Harry Belafonte, and the special ended up being very controversial because it was in variety television. Uh, it was the first time in network primetime television that a black and a white person physically touched each other. And that was a result of, in the middle of uh, singing a duet with uh, Harry, Batula reached over and touched his forearm. <laughs> and all hell broke loose with uh, the sponsor's representative who said this can never be aired and so forth. So to make a long story short is... Colonel Parker had uh, made a deal with Tom Sarnoff, the head of NBC, in, in uh, I guess, 1967. And uh, it was a case of where uh, NBC was going to help finance Elvis's next movie, which I think turned out to be Change of Habit, mm-hmm. Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened is that the colonel made the deal with Sarnoff on his own without telling Elvis. And when he explained it to Elvis, the deal he made, uh, one of the conditions was that Elvis had to do a television special. And Elvis balked. He didn't want to do television. He had, uh, you know, in his own words, he had, he had told me that, uh, you know, he, he'd been out of uh, even the record business for about three or four years, and he felt that uh, his appearances, other than the Ed Sullivan show, where he really exploded uh, when CBS made the decision not to shoot him from the waist down so the american public <laughs> reacted like what's going on down there yeah and uh as a result uh 
he became so popular and so hot uh, that every television show wanted him, and mm-hmm. he went on two of the biggest comedy shows uh, in the United States at that time. One was with Milton Berle, and the other one was with Steve Allen. Mm-hmm. And they both kind of didn't get it as far as rock and roll and Elvis and so forth. So they made fun of him, basically. Uh, I think Steve put a, a hound dog in front of him while he was singing hound dog uh Milton Berle got out the big powder puffs and so forth and put him in a comedy sketch. And as a result, Elvis said, I'm not comfortable doing television. Yeah. I really don't want to do it. As a result, uh, the colonel told NBC all this while that there was going to be no problem. And I got a call from what turned out to be a, a great executive producer for the special Bob Finkel. And Bob called me. He was under contract to NBC at the time and said, look, We've got a contract, but we don't have the star. He doesn't want to do it. And we were hearing about your experience with Petula and Belafani and decided maybe you're rebel enough and young enough to relate to Elvis, and maybe you can convince him to do it. So uh, at that time, uh, I had already signed a contract to do a a motion picture with uh, a very famous 1940s or 50s film uh, producer, and uh, I was well into in my own head saying I wasn't going to do television anymore. I was going to focus my career on doing movies. And uh, my partner at the time, Bones Howe, uh, a great uh, recording producer, we were producing exclusively The Fifth Dimension, The Association, Laura Nero, through their big hit records. So Bones had engineered once for Elvis, and he overheard the conversation with Finkel and myself, and he said, Steve, you got to do both. You got to do the movie and do Elvis. So call Finkel back and tell him that uh, you know if they can work out your schedule, uh, you should do it because I I know Elvis and and you've never met him and I think you guys would hit it off uh, you know like magic. So he's the one who convinced me to call Finkel back and as fate stepped in, uh, Walter Wanger who was the producer of the film. Uh, suddenly died of a heart attack. So the entire project, film project, fell through. So that left me wide open just to do the Elvis special. And uh, then the comedy began because uh, <laughs> I had to meet the colonel first in order to get permission to meet with Elvis. Yeah. And I sat down. I was not a big Elvis fan in, in 1967, 68. I was amused by him. I saw him on Ed Sullivan, liked him. And then I kind of followed the publicity career that he had. And, uh, you know, I was a West Coast guy into the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and the Fifth Dimension and so forth. And here was this kid from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, in my head, hey, maybe he's even a redneck. I mean, <laughs> I know about Elvis Presley. So I insisted uh, to Finkel that before I made any kind of commitment, I wanted to meet Elvis one on one. And, uh, it was fortuitous because, for whatever reason, Colonel Parker uh, agreed to let me meet him alone. And uh, one afternoon, Elvis came to my office, and we were uh, basically not talking about the television special, just talking about records. He saw our, our gold records on the wall with the fifth uh, dimension and the association and so forth. And uh, so we were talking about music and how it had changed. And... Uh, you know, by this time, the Beatles had come to America, and Elvis thought in his head that he would be kind of irrelevant at this point. 
uh, in terms of rock and roll. And he just didn't feel the fans, after he had done some 20-some uh, movies, uh, had been isolated from doing any uh, music appearances. He did no concerts or whatever. And uh, he felt the audience might have passed him up with the English invasion and so forth. And uh, so, you know, in this meeting, I realized this is a guy I could really relate to. I liked him a lot the minute he stepped in. Finkel was complaining he would never call him by his first name, and he always referred to him as Mr. Finkel. Elvis walked into my office and said, hey, Steve. (laughs) We walked into the back room where my office was, and we just had a great time talking about music and so forth and so on. And he said, television is not my turf. And I said, well, what is your turf? And he said, making records. And I said, okay, then you make an album, and I'll put pictures to it. How's that? And later on, he told me that was the key to agreeing to do the special because he felt comfortable with me. He just said, you know, I don't have to worry about where the cameras are or the pictures or anything. I I just kind of trust this guy. And uh, what I didn't know is that years later, Priscilla told me that Elvis came home from that meeting saying, I don't care what the colonel says or wants me to do, I'm going with Bender. I like his ideas, I like him, and I I just got a gut feeling that it's going to turn out well. And fortunately uh, for all of us, it did bring him back to his roots, and he did prove himself as the real king of rock and roll, and it opened up a whole new door for him. The, The tragedy is that after the special and the reaction and going to Las Vegas and breaking all kinds of records and so forth, I knew that Elvis, because he told me first person, that he, he wanted to really uh, not sing any songs he didn't believe in anymore, because mm-hmm. a lot of the movie writers had written songs that he really kind of hated, but mm-hmm. did because it was part of the agreements uh, that the colonel made with the studios. Uh, he didn't want to do any more uh, movies uh, unless he really uh, loved the, the script, and, and, who was, and I said to him, Elvis, instead of asking, uh, Colonel Parker asking for a million dollars for you to star in a movie, why don't you ask him to pay a great director? And at the time, uh, Midnight Cowboy was out with with, uh, uh, Schlesinger as the director. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't you call Schlesinger and offer him a million dollars to put you in his next movie and star in it? And he laughed. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, none of that ever happened. As you know, he ended up uh, basically... Uh, only performing in Las Vegas. And there's lots of stories and rumors about why he never left the United States, even though I knew he wanted to. I knew he, he, uh, when we finished the 68 special, Elvis was kind of reborn. He wanted to, uh, he realized his career was back on track, you know, and he wanted to explore new mountains and unfortunately never had the opportunity to. And I've always said, I don't think Elvis died of drugs. I think he died of boredom. I don't think he ever wanted to end up every year being in Las Vegas. You know, uh, when I first saw him there, he was fantastic. He was every bit as good and exciting as when we did the special. And a year later, I saw him, and it was over. He had, uh, he wasn't even performing for the audiences, though the audiences never knew that. And he was kind of, you know, performing for the musicians behind him. And uh, I just knew he was bored out of his mind and wanted to go do some new things. So I was, I was saddened by his death and, 
and by knowing that uh, he never got to do what was inside of him that he wanted to do. Tuesday, August 16th, 2022 marks the 45th anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley. We're marking the occasion by replaying a conversation that originally aired in March 2017 with Steve Bender. Steve Bender, producer and director of the 1968 Elvis Comeback Special. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. A couple of things. One is you mentioned that prior to meeting Elvis, uh, you were not necessarily a, a connoisseur of his music. You had other interests. I'm just thinking aloud, Steve, as a filmmaker, as a director, that was probably a good thing because you came into the production with a fresh perspective and as opposed to a fan perspective. I mean, I know you've been in the business long enough. That was never a problem with you. But a, a lot of times when, when you approach something fresh, you will find things that you may not have thought about had you necessarily been a fan. Does that make sense? I, I think it's a good analysis, Ed. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I made a commitment to myself when I became a director is that the real star of whatever project was the, the talent. And I, I notice myself, if I'm watching a television variety special especially, and I'm noticing the camera work and the director's work and so forth, then, in my opinion, that's not the way to, to watch television. You, wanna, you don't want to even think about, oh, there's a director, there, there are cameras, uh, there's a, a crew of 100-plus uh, people and so forth. You want to think of just focusing on the talent performing. So it was a case of, of uh, when I met Elvis, uh, and Colonel had laid down the law uh, to begin with that this was going to be a Christmas special, even though we were shooting, I think, in, in the middle of summer. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, NBC had scheduled it for airing in uh, uh, December of 68 and insisted, or the Colonel insisted, that it be... 26 Christmas songs, and Elvis would say hello, and then at the end of the show, he'd say goodbye. And, <laughs> it. and when I met Colonel Parker, I thought I failed the audition, to be honest with you, because I knew I wasn't going to do that kind of a show. Mm -hmm. I, I, I said to him, why don't you let, uh, uh, at the time, Andy Williams or Perry Como or Bing Crosby or those kind of guys from the 50s and, and the early 60s uh, Basically, they annually do their Christmas specials and let them do it. But Elvis is, is uh, really special and shouldn't be doing uh, that show. I never expressed it at the time to Colonel Parker. I just kept my mouth shut. But next thing I know, I got to my office and there was already a message from Finkel saying, I don't know what you did to uh, convince the colonel, but he's going to let Elvis meet you one-on-one -on -one at your office tomorrow. So that's how that hall uh, laid down, and Elvis was actually the third of a trilogy of specials uh, when I got into that end of the business. Uh, the first one was, was with a uh, the star of a Broadway show called Hallelujah Baby, mm -hmm. uh, who had earned her reputation uh, in television with the Mitch Miller show, which was kind of a sing-along format, mm -hmm. and uh, Leslie Uggams uh, became the first project that I did when I assembled my behind-the-scenes crew of, you know, writers and, and set designers and so forth. And, and uh, you know, and I, I obviously picked people I'd worked with in my previous shows, 
from Billy Goldenberg, who I'd worked with on Hullabaloo, Gene McAvoy, who was the art director on Elvis, uh, also on Hullabaloo, uh, and uh, I'd, I'd worked with Chris Beard and, and uh, Alan Bly. Alan was my head writer on uh, the Tula Belafati special with, uh, uh, I guess you'd recognize his partner at the time, Mason Williams, mm-hmm. who wrote Classical Gasp. And, and uh, very artistic. Uh, they... Uh, were the writers of Petula and Harry, and uh, and then Alan was the head writer with Chris Beard on on the Elvis special. Mm-hmm. So I already had a kind of a family of artists behind the scenes, and uh, so we were. By the time we got to Elvis, was the third special. We were a well-oiled machine. I mean, we we not only were compatible, but in those days when you used to do a television special, you used to create it from scratch, basically. Uh, and just sit in a room and say, okay, we've got Elvis. What do we do with him? And then everybody would pitch ideas. Uh, we we forgot our titles and salaries and everything else and just were focusing on what would make a great special. And so uh, it was it was really a case of when, when Alan and Chris went next door to our offices to Tower Records and bought every Elvis uh, album, 45, uh, uh, 78 if they could find them, anything they could find with Elvis's name on it, and brought them back to the office and then start pouring through them, coming up with ideas for the format of the special, uh, minus the improv, which turned out to be the most important part mm-hmm. of the whole special, mm-hmm. uh, which was just another story unto itself. But it was really a case of uh, when Elvis heard what our concept was, and Alan and Chris are the ones who pitched it to him, he loved it. I mean, he said to me, you know, I said, do you want any changes or anything <laughs> you don't like about it? He said, no, I love every, every bit of it. And it made me nervous because I don't think I ever worked with a star who didn't put their two cents in in terms of the original concept. And uh, But he was 100% on board. And again, I didn't know that, that Colonel Parker uh, basically had lost his power over Elvis in this because I was expecting when the colonel realized what, what I was doing, uh, probably would have fired me on the spot. But I kept wondering why aren't I being fired because I know he was so uh, adamant about it being a Christmas special, but I never knew what had happened behind the scenes where Elvis told the colonel, I don't care what you say, I'm going with Bender. So that, that turned out to be one of the great you know, for me personally, it, it, it's an experience I'll never forget my entire life. We're talking to Steve Bender, Emmy Award-winning producer and director of such iconic variety specials as Lucy in London, The Tammy Show, and the 1968 Elvis Comeback Specials. We'll talk some more with Steve about the 68 Comeback Special after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 415- 
888-786-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.